0: Hi, I'm Susie Wilson, and this is my podcast, Radical Consciousness and Cleansing, a mystical sojourn through the ancient healing of cleansing from then till now. This podcast is going to take us on a journey of our mind, our body and our spirit, delving into the depths of what does it mean to cleanse, how do we reclaim our health physically, spiritually and emotionally so that we can live life to our fullest. Good morning, afternoon, evening, listeners. So great to have you on board with us today. Man, i got a treat for you. We have got Hala. Hala is a firewoman, a shaman woman from the deep south in Australia. Mm, not quite the deep south, not quite like what we might imagine, but the beautiful south coast of Australian east coast. So it's one of those areas of the world that feel like often they're, it's a little untamed, a little untouched. It's a a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Hala, I was so fortunate to meet, um, maybe like a year or so ago, and we um, met in Grandmother Malara's circle. Hala had been out to the Central Desert and and met Grandmother Malara. They were doing um, important business work out there, and was uh invited to come in and and, and share the circle with grandmother and that might be not quite right. I'm looking at Hella's right. I might have said that a little wrong. But Hella has been oh. doing doing firework for for a long, long time. And I'll get her to talk to you about that. And and today's podcast is really about, you know, we're talking about radical consciousness and cleansing and and all the different modalities and and want for one of the better term modality. All the different types of ways that we might heal ourselves. And when we speak about fire, it's such a sacred, and Hella's going to share some beautiful stories about this and her work, because it's such a beautiful, um, sacred therapy. And I'm sure many of you have been told at some point in your life that if you feel bad about something, if you write it on a piece of paper and give it to the fire. Or when I was in Mexico, I was with the shaman and we had to speak on the fire. We spoke to the fire to leave all of that there. So I guess in our modern terms, it might be seen as something a little like an altar. And this is our shamanic fire altar, which I think is so special and such a powerful tool. So I would love to bring on Hala and let her introduce herself. We will, as I say to um, on all the podcasts, all of her contact details, her website details will be on our podcast notes. She does do remote healing, and she can talk more about that in the shamanic realm. Of course, if you want to go for any sweat lodges or work that she does, you can head on down south in Australia to Bermagui. So, Howard, thank you. Thank you for taking time out early morning. I've actually got the video on so I can see the beautiful green lushness behind you where you're sitting outside there. um, Would you mind just starting to share and just you know maybe tell people a little bit about yourself and how how did you even get into being a shaman fire woman that you are oh that's a that's a big story Yeah, so, we uh, only have big stories here <laughs>
1: yeah. it's hard to know where to start but i suppose it yeah it starts in in this lifetime it starts camping with my family we we loved we always did wilderness camping. My parents were obsessed with the wilderness and, and being um, around no one and in wild places. So I was, and I was taught to build a fire at a very, very young age. So my relationship with fire, even though it was, I suppose, just the campfire, it's never just the campfire, um, started at a very young age. And I love the fire so I, I kept camping and wilderness walking and lighting fires and and i and i remember before my spiritual awakening into becoming a shamanic practitioner and and being consciously put on that path i remember being out with a bushy uh what we call a bushy yeah what's um, a bushy yeah he's just someone that just um is kind of like an old school guy that just lives that loves being out in the bush is okay. um a bit like me in a way, but I always <laughs> think of them as an. <laughs> Actually, I'm a bit of a bushy too. Someone who just loves being out bush, lying in the fire, walking through that terrain, and engaging in it. Yeah, and a bushy, I suppose, is a bit more old school term. So yeah. he was an old guy, and and I'm out, I'm out with this guy, and as usual, I'm wanting to, uh, because we're wilderness walking, we're worried about weight. So when I have a bit of paper or rubbish, I throw it into the fire and, and burn it. And therefore my weight stays low. And he just goes, I never do that. Mm. And I'm like, That's weird. Why wouldn't you do that? Like it makes complete sense to me to do that. And he just said, I don't do that. I don't throw rubbish into the fire. The and the- and it was yeah. So and I suppose that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. So so this bushy gave me a gift. So I was always curious around that because I thought, "Mm, this is what we do, this is what we do, we reduce our weight. So in those wild places, my journey consciously began as a shamanic practitioner when I kept being drawn to, I was living in the Blue Mountains, and I kept being drawn to this one place, this very wild place. I used to wilderness walk, as I said just with my dingo and I, solo walking. I didn't...
0: Wait there, you said dingo? You said dingo? Yeah.
1: So a lot of... I did. Would... I had a dingo.
0: Yeah. So a lot of people would suggest that dingoes are dangerous and they kill you if we listen to the media. <laughs> so you had a pet dingo. No, I did. I did. I had a pet dingo. Yeah,
1: she was born under a house uh, when I was living in the Blue Mountains. It's a pretty wild place just out of Sydney. But it's so the, – the terrain is so – is full of catacombs and and deep valleys and, and sandstone cliffs that, you know, they couldn't log it. There's a lot of eldership there, a lot of old country untouched. Mm. And there was also some farmers there. So what they did – this was from an old farming family, and I was looking for a dog. Yeah, she happened to turn up with a dingo sitting next to her at my place. This woman, and I went, whoa! I was looking for a dog, and I go, wow, that's a nice dog. Oh my god, it's a dingo! And she goes, yeah, yeah. I've actually, that's the father. who's just had some pups. So I went, I was kind of like, whoa, okay. And I and I was horse riding a lot too in the bush. So, and my German Shepherd was <laughs> always breathing heavily and and um, really hot. She she yeah. couldn't deal with the heat. And that's what these farmers, did. when they came here to farm this country, their collies would clap out with the yeah. distance and with the heat. So they bred in dingoes. They bred in dingoes. Um, the the local dog, which is the wild dog that the Indigenous yeah. would have uh, worked with and uh, lived with. Um, they actually had camp dingoes and wild dingoes. They had two different words for them. Yeah. Um, so this this... My dog Maliki or Peaky, as she got called, um, I found her under a house of this woman's place. And the father was really, he was really friendly, like my Peaky. But I went to see the mother, and she was like black, and she was, she was like, and she just eyeballed me. And I went, I'm not going anywhere near that dog, <laughs> yeah. you know. But anyway, I. I picked up Maliki, my my little pup, and I uh, put it her here, and she just snuggled into my my neck, and it's nice that you actually picked that up, um, Susie, because yeah. she she guided me through my spiritual emergence. I can see the where my German Shepherd brought me to a certain place, yeah, and then and then and then Peaky um, crossed over, and she took me through my spiritual emergence. And I can see how, um, yeah, she held me, and yeah. she actually till I got moved to this place on the south coast of New South Wales. Um, as soon as I bought this block of land, um, she died. So and she's buried. I can she's see the waratah down there. She's, yeah, yeah. She yeah. just brought me to this place. A huge journey that she supported me with. But anyway, I, I was a, um, yeah, to continue with the story. Yeah. With it's nice to get back down, around Peaky because she's walking with me so i suppose when i'm telling this story it's nice for yeah. your audience to understand that there's a woman and there's a dingo yeah. a dog
0: yeah and i've got good Char- yeah
1: yeah shamanically as a shamanic practitioner i walk as a myth as well not a not a derogatory myth people have taken over that word we've taken over that word to mean doesn't it's actually meaningless it's is untruth but for me i I live in the world of myth so the place of symbols yeah um yeah story of symbols so it's nice to have me sitting there in that story with with the woman who's walking towards shamanism yeah um and about to emerge into um shamanic practice and to walk on my path mm. and I have this dingo next to me mm. um Malik, peaky so yeah, I was just um yeah, I was in it was out walking out in that country, a real wild part of that country. I was always like my parents, I was very comfortable and very comfortable in wild places and um solo. And one day I kept being drawn out, and I was unconscious of it, but I kept going to the same place and I was like, one day I just went, What do you want? I'm in the middle of nowhere, so I can scream as much as I want. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, and when you talk to spirit, you know, there's none of this. Oh, excuse me, spirit. You know, I'm like, <laughs> what do you want? Why am I here again? I was really frustrated, right? Also, I've got Irish Slavic bloodlines born here, but um, it's like expression you're allowed to express, right? Yeah, so I'm um, there. And then, and then the next time I went out bush, so I asked the question in a very strong way it was very clear you know it's nice to be clear right yeah and um and then next time i was at a sacred place i used to call it the altar and i was sitting up there meditating yeah and as i was meditating i i turned into my totem i turned into a bird my totems the peregrine falcon and so this as i was meditating i'm just realizing i'd been at mexico before that but which was part of the story, but this bird just it went like this in front of me and just went and it eyeballed me and then it went and I went, it's shocking, right? So and in real I was going, life,
0: in real life it come up to you like that or no, in spirit form? Form.
1: no in spirit form yeah. because I was meditating in spirit yeah. form yeah. it came. Yeah. But it was very, yeah, it was just real. wasn't my imagination. Yeah. It was real. It just yeah. like that. And it just eyeballed me and it just, and of course that shocked me out of my, the meditation. And then I'm sitting up on this altar, which was surrounded by stone, this stone country. And I'm just on this bit sitting on it as I'm sitting there, I'm going, Oh, Jesus, God, I feel really good. (laughs) I'm feeling really good, like really good. And then I'm looking around and I'm going, wow. Wow. I can see a really long way. That's weird. I can see right over across the gully, over there. That's really weird, right? I mean, what? I had no vessel for this. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I turned into my my falcon, into my mm-hmm. my um, totem, my personal totem, mm-hmm. and that's core shamanism. Mm-hmm. Core shamanism is um. Is your totem being able to embody your totem, which is called the face of your soul. Mm. And uh and to travel. It allows me to move from this body and to travel into the realm of the soul. Yes. So because that is the face of my soul, which means I can then travel to different people's soul landscape and I can travel in those realms. That's core shamanism. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um I discovered that I didn't know what had happened. You know, I mean, one reason why I keep doing my work is because I didn't know what had happened, yeah. and and it was a huge, powerful thing that had happened. But there was no vessel to put it in, no understanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'd asked two people um, who I was comfortable with sharing that, and they just went, "Ooh, wow." I mean, that's all they said. You know, that's all. Yeah. That's the feedback I got well, from my sense. world yeah. of what had happened, which was so. It's called a soul. Um, Bill Plotkin would call that a soul encounter. Yeah. Um. So it's when your whole world changes, and yeah. that's a whole nother story. The journey yeah. of the soul. Yeah. Um. The soul encounter, but um. But I did um end up going to a clairvoyant, who's a very good friend of mine now, a woman called Gwen Hodder. I had started doing sweat lodges in Mexico. There is a story before that, which is part of this, my, my biggest story of becoming a shamanic practitioner. And she said, oh, there's this course called shamanic practice. There's a guy called Raphael Locke or Ralph Locke is what he was calling himself at the time. He's teaching sh- Maybe you should do that. I'm going, oh, shamanic practice. Oh. oh, well, I'll just give it a go, you know, and in that first lesson, I sat in that circle and they spoke about totems. He spoke ah, about um, personal totems. And I went.
0: Oh, my God. Ah. That's my language.
1: <laughs> and so what it did is it, it put all my experiences meeting with Raphael Locke. And, of course, I met him, you know, this uh, Australian shaman. I studied with him and I went through my shamanic or my shaman's initiation with him. I spent a lot of time in the central desert doing learning shamanic practice and learning about fire and earth and water and mm-hmm. um, and air. And so I met my teacher and he put yeah. all these things that had been happening to me actually even before that yeah. into, into a vessel that gave it power yeah. and understanding and power. So, and I'm saying that because um, I sit in circle with a with a lot of young people, and sometimes I'm going, "Oh, I don't want to do this anymore." It's like it's quite hard in this world, right? Yeah, it's not very recognised. But we 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 become we're coming out of the earth, uh, yeah. which is wonderful. Yeah, and um, I see the young ones, and there's a lot of young ones I'm sitting with now who are having those experiences and. And I'm so so happy to be able to sit here and they can come to me and say, I just turned into a bird. And rather than just saying, Oh wow, I can yeah. say, right. Yeah. Off this we go. Off we yeah. go.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, before that, so that's a shamanic experience. Yeah. That's um core shamanism, as I said, is is knowing your totem. Yeah. And embodying your personal totem. And before that, I hadn't did my, I was in Mexico. And I think this is part of the whole journey. Well, it is part of the whole journey where I went into my first sweat lodge. Yeah. What I call here Earth Lodge. I went into my first sweat lodge. A friend of mine, a dearest brother of mine called JN, he's an Argentinian. At the time, I was. It's a big story. Do you want to do you want to keep talking? About
0: <laughs> well, you can let us know certainly about the Tamascale, the sweat lodge in Mexico, if that connects, and then we can come back to um, the, the the work that you're doing now, the firework, and, and let's talk a little bit about fire because that is the healing modality, right? Mm. So I suppose in,
1: in the sweat lodge is, is very, lots of fire. Yes, I was in this sweat lodge in Mexico, which my friend uh, kind of, I found myself in, um, on sacred ground in Mexico, of course, and um, he threw me into a sweat lodge. He goes, you know, it's funny when I run sweat lodge now, I have to say, you know, you can leave at any time because oh or whatever it's called now. And he just went, whatever you do, don't, you don't leave. Do not leave. I know? got told that too.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> whatever you do. And I didn't leave and it was very hot. And I also time- I time traveled in that lodge. I was lying on the ground in the west, of course, the place of healing for me. And I'm like, oh, just, oh my God! I'm covered in mud, and I'm feeling the earth and my connection to my country, and oh, just such a big thing. And then suddenly, I'm off in i I'm, I'm off into um my friend's body when he was like a little six year old, and um. And I was feeling like him. I knew I was him, actually. Yeah. So things like that started happening and I had no context for them. But I have a very grounded context for all those things now. And, yeah, so, yeah, just.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, was it? so was it those experiences, because you could have went down many paths being a shaman. Was it those experiences with the fire and the sweat that made you come back and, and or have that to be a focus in your life because that, I know that's just such a big part of your life being the fire person and and the and the and doing the sweat lodges. So you know, like we yeah, could spend so many yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic question. Like that's exactly right. Is the reason why I run lodge now is because I had a spiritual awakening. Yeah. In my first life. Um, I was deeply connected to that medicine. I knew it was part of my medicine because it, it had awakened me and healed me in such a profound way. And I walked from that place and I came back home here to Australia and I went, I want to bring Sweat Lodge here to this country.
0: It's such a powerful tool. I, I'm just, I feel like I want to share too my experience with that, just so listeners actually understand the power of, of the sweat lodge, um, and done done proper way, I, I guess. Like I'm a bit old fashioned like that. It is like done proper way, but um, the first experience I ever had in a sweat was a rebirthing experience for me. It was the first time yeah. I ever, um, I, and it was actually more when the sweat lodge had finished and I couldn't move. I actually couldn't move. I had to. I just had to stay seated there. The shaman that I was with actually left me in the end. Like I, I started to speak, at, and not out of bad, but obviously I had to go through this process. So I can't explain it other than there was three really key points in that. I started to talk in a language I didn't understand, which now I know is light language. I'd never, I'd never done light language, so I had, and even though I was hot and wet and muddy, <laughs> I had all of these. Goosebumps and all of this stuff happening in my body as I've got now. So I had all of this wow. language going on, hearing and speaking, and then it was like I saw this doorway, and which was getting out of it. But it was it was actually like a birth canal, and I couldn't walk it. I actually crawled and slid. And this is this is just me. This is not on any other type of plant medicine or anything. This is just me coming out of, in the sweat lodge. I sort of had to crawl, I don't know, crawl, scoot myself along out of the birth canal. I couldn't stand up. I just didn't have that ability to stand up. And I went Mm -hmm. out and I laid then and on the earth. And the earth was actually outside very cool because after you've been in, you know, such hot earth and to go and lie on fresh grass that even had a little bit of dew, it felt like, and it was probably my sweat, but lying on it. (laughs) And I'm naked, right? Going out, lying on this grass, and I just was like a big star shape. I couldn't move. I couldn't do a thing. And it was like this whole birthing of coming into my body. And I, then I remember there was like flies. And it was actually this all happened in the Blue Mountains. Actually, there was flies uh-huh. everywhere. And I had um, these flies coming on me, but I couldn't move them. I couldn't move them. I couldn't because I couldn't lift up my arm. So then I actually yes. started to talk about in my head. It's like. I heard the voice say, it's all right, they're just kissing you. They're just kissing you. They're letting you come into the earth. They're kissing you. And it still makes me Mm -hmm. emotional today. It's just like, wow. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to share that because the story that you're talking about, like I really resonate with that. And I think the the healing power of a sweat lodge, and of course there's always work, and maybe we'll get to talk about that as well because we can go for these amazing experiences But it's like you said, until Mm. you had a container to put it in, and then we do our work afterwards as well, because it's all about integration, right? How do we make sense of that and how do we find our container? Because other people think we're just sleepy, (laughs) you know? So sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted just to share that because I think for listeners out there, the sweat is real. And if you haven't had an experience of that as a healing modality, we know people hop in saunas, right? To sweat. Like we know that mm. the physical nature of that, and and it's like the light and how it changes the structure of the water in our body, like it's such an important mm. physical healing modality. So then to add in yeah. that your 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 spirit and your emotion, I think is it's a beautiful theology.
1: Yeah, and the the this the powerful thing of the sweat lodge or what I call earth lodge because mm. um. A lot more than sweating. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, a, it's a ceremony that uses all the elements. Yes. And that's probably one one reason why it's so powerful. When we build the lodge, when you go into the lodge, um, which has many names all over the world, the yeah. lodge is Australian Aboriginals had a form of a lodge. You know, yeah. um, all over the world we have lodges. It's not just um, Native American. Um, though they hold that so beautifully and so potently. Um, we're going, we're entering the lodge, we're entering the womb of the earth mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So when i when I build the lodge, I build it with ceremony and one I am consciously saying prayers and singing and I am building the womb of the earth mother. Yeah. So, so that is that is why so, it's such a potent place because that is the place of our healing. Nature and the Earth Mother mm. is the place of our healing. Mm. You know that's why we 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 went out. We had sacred groves and we went out and had sacred sites. They're all out in nature. They're not little buildings. You know, um, in many indigenous cultures, though, though temples and 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 things like that are very important as well like they're like big altars. Yeah. But the place about one of the most potent places for healing is is the Earth Mother.
0: Mm. And
1: um, when I'm building her um yeah, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to talk about it, but there's all the the frame and the the place where you place the ancient ones, the rocks which are ignited by the sacred fire. So, it might be quite appropriate in a way to talk about the symbology of the lodge because it starts bringing in the fire which is what we've come together to discuss that that yeah. healing modality yeah. or that that healing being yeah um our yeah. ancestor the fire so yeah the the frame is the rib cage of the earth mother mm-hmm. when i'm and and when you put the covers on it's the skin of the earth mother mm-hmm. when we when we Digging that hole in the center where the stones, or the ancient ones, or the grandfathers, whatever you want to call them, go in there. That's the belly button of the Earth Mother. And when we when we pull that um, soil out from there, we we create the altar, which actually outside of the lodge where you put your sacred objects and your prayers. Um, that's the the placenta. So that's a really potent place. And then. With the lodges I build, we face east, so it's the place of uh, rebirth and birth it's where the sun comes up, so it's birth and rebirth. So the door of the lodge faces east. So you are reborn, like you said, when you yes. exit room of yes. the earth mother, you are reborn into the east. So yeah, it is, I've seen rebirth things like people cramping up and and uh, lots of things. I've seen a lot of things with Lodge. And then in the east, um, in a line going to the east, often you'll have the altar in that line, and you have the sacred fire, of course,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is we we. When I'm building the sacred fire, when I'm there's a there's a ceremony which takes an hour before we even light the fire, which is the stone and wood ceremony. I call it the stone and wood ceremony, where we build the sacred fire, and we put the ancient ones like the stones into the center and we build the sacred fire around it or the wood. So the ancient ones, the rocks are actually the body, is the body of our ancestors. And when you ignite the sacred fire, when you ignite them and heat them up, you ignite their wisdom. Of okay. our ancestors, and we bring them in one by one, and we put them into the belly button of the Earth Mother. Mm, so, so cool. and they're the ones so cool. running the show, not me. I'm just opening the door, and you know, obviously, I'm a bit that tuned in. There. But <laughs> <laughs> so every time they come in, as you as you know, if it's done in good way, we we honour each ancestor as it comes yeah. in, and and um, Native Americans would say, "Ahu." Yeah. And they come in as you're bringing them in, all glowing with their wisdom of the ancestors. We bring them in and we place them into the center, into the belly button of the earth mother. And we say, Welcome, ancient one. Mm. You know, and we give them an offering of copal or, or sweet grass. Native Americans use sweet grass or, or whatever's from your country country the lodge is on so yeah it ignites the sacred fire ignites their wisdom and then we sit around them in a circle pull the door down as you know and um off we go so there's not much else you really need to do if you've actually created that space in you know in good way as you say um um then it just flows from yeah, there the yes. healing healing yeah. flows Yeah, sacred fire. Maybe we could talk about the sacred fire now. What is is the sacred
0: fire? Like, what is it? Yeah, what is it? And because you spoke before about how that old bushy told you not to be putting um, stuff onto the fire. And that was one of my learnings, too, a long time ago, that you never use the fire as a place, you know, your sacred fire. So, yeah, like, obviously, what is a sacred fire? Mm.
1: Yeah, because I work with the sacred fire. I can't use it as a rubbish tip,
0: yeah. You know
1: because I knew, I know it to be something else, and because I know it to be something else, you know I'm not going to use it as a rubbish rubbish tip. Yeah, I, it's really hard. I got a fire fire circle here. It's really hard to stop people from throwing things into it. I'm going. This is my fire, even though we're just sitting around it having a few beers or whatever. Like I'm not you're not throwing anything into my fire, you know? And and it's like, oh whoops. And you go, wow, it's so inbred. But then but the sacred fire is the fire is our element, is our is an element, as you know. Mm. Um, it is it is our ancestor, mm. okay? And and the fire in my world and my knowing is the oldest shaman, mm. is the fire. So, um, it's the transmuter of energy mm. is what it is. Mm. So what, when, you when you said before, we're often putting, writing things down and throwing them into the fire, which that's not rubbish by the way, you know, no, I've true. had people, yeah, I've had people throw things into the fire. Like when I was working with women who were trying to lose a lot of weight they were in. they would throw, they said, well, there was a ceremony where we threw one of their big bits of clothing which was just completely a lot bigger than, we would throw that into the sacred fire. So it's not like, but it's not a rubbish tip. So the fire is a transmuter um, of energy. So what it does, it is so old and and ancient. It's beyond imagining how old and ancient mm. this being is. Mm. And, and so I say to people, It actually knows better than you what you're throwing into the fire. So often when we're offering things to the fire, I I think of what I think is really potent is to put in a symbol, you Mm. know. So what it does is allows the fire, rather than cutting it off, it allows the fire to consume it. So the fire consumes what is old and finished and no longer serves you, perhaps doesn't even belong to you. Mm. And it knows that way better than you do you know and it's not that you're not conscious of like i i want to shed this that's fine but i always leave a space for the fire's wisdom yeah. this ancient wisdom that can yeah. see me better than i can see myself so it's a beautiful um healing being to work with because this is the path of its heart this is this is what it does this is this is it it's a transmuter of energy so you throw things into the fire in whatever ceremony you create it doesn't really matter what that is um you throw it into the fire it consumes it and um it transmutes it and then gives that energy back to you for your new beginnings or for your walk from that place mm. now yeah it's it's um so, for you to walk the path of your heart more closely, yeah. on the p- path of your heart, yeah, that's what it does. Yeah, that's what sacred fire does. You know, it also ignites your passion for your path, and it gives you energy for your path. Yeah, but we call it motive force for your path.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because in my world of colon hydrotherapy, and with people with gut health the biggest issue we find is that they have too much fire in their head and are not enough mm. fire in their belly, in their hara. So really. we actually yes. get people, and because we breathe in the top half of our body, so to get people to breathe, because we breathe life into that fire is how I see that. So I'm putting breath into the mm. fire, We you know, to get a fire to go, we put breath into it and it will go. So we yes. put breath into our hara to bring the fire from our head that causes us distress and disease and bring it down into mm. our into our hara, into our centre of our of our belly. Yes. Yeah. Wow, beautiful.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. The, there's something I really wanted to say too about the fire, which is really important for healing, I think, yeah. in general. And the fire symbolizes it so well like what I was saying just then, like a lot of people want to let go of things. Like, mm-hmm. let, I want to let go of that. I want to let go of that. And I keep hearing that. But healing is, is two things. You can't let go of anything. Mm-hmm. That's your energy, but you can transmute it. Mm-hmm. So you let it go in one form and you reclaim it in another. That's, That's for me personally... Yeah, like so I hear so many people, I want to let go, they want to let go of that. That's only half the story. You want to reclaim that energy into something that serves your path, you know, the path of your heart, your soul's journey, you know, in a in a more enriching way from this Mm. place. And the fire to work with fire is really good for that.
0: The fire,
1: because it knows it's so old and so wise. It's really good, and it to work with it, and it, and it might be actually literally just lighting a tea light on your altar, you know, and and honoring the fire and saying something's come up for me, you know, and I just I, and sing a song or just light it in a sacred way with some smudge, whatever it is. The fire doesn't, doesn't care. You're honoring the fire, and as you That's honor nice. the fire and you know what it can do, the more it will do it for you. You know that's why I don't throw rubbish into the fire because I know what it is, and the more I honour it, and the more I understand it, and more that that relationship builds, the more it works with me, and so on. There's this cyclical thing relationship that is builds builds, and as a, a fire keeper, and someone who uses fire and ceremony, I have to do that. Not only that, I love to do that. I love to do it's that. It's a part of you.
0: It's a fire, part of you. Fire is beautiful, it is you know. Fire yeah. is, I was beautiful. just going to say, it's so interesting when you're talking about that because what comes to mind when you said people want to give stuff to the fire and just throw it all on the fire, it's a little bit like where we've got in our world, isn't it? It's like It's like, and I even just want to bring up plant medicine here because a lot of people go and they want to do plant medicine because they want to just It's like they're giving over themselves. They want to not take responsibility for that shadow side of themselves. And it's not about Mm. giving something away. And I think in our modern Western medical world, we've really taught people the fact of not taking responsibility for their own health because you give over your health even when you go to a doctor or a naturopath. You say, make me better. Well, actually, we can't make you better. You make you better. But we can offer yeah. some vehicles and some and some ways to support your journey for your wisdom to come through to heal. But we oh, I can't yeah. make it better. But I can make a space yeah. for you to meet yeah. yourself. So then you yeah. can actually transmute what you're talking about and bring that back. And I think, you know, you yeah. I know you wanted to talk yeah. about fear, and I think this really comes in quite strongly here because I see a lot of people in the plant medicine world and they're looking for this you know like you know i'm going to go do plant medicine cuz it's going to make me better and it's like well you know what it's actually not the medicine that's making you better it's your integration in your work afterwards your plant medicine mm-hmm. or whatever you're doing it, it might be a vehicle for you and i'm not saying it's not a good vehicle for for some people in that in, yeah. in their time you yeah. know like it's powerful but yeah. but i think we have to remember it's powerful medicine and i remember an, an old one of my old teachers he said to me he said will you get that india china it's in you, and what he was saying mm. to me was that you've now got responsibility. You've now got mm. responsibility because yeah. you're asking this plant for for help or support. Yeah. You now have to do what it says. Yeah. You now have to take yeah. responsibility. You have to, and it's like that with the yeah. fire, right? It's like we can't just say, "Okay, I'm going to chuck all this on the fire and then go and do the same stuff we were doing two minutes before." It's sort of yeah. we have to have that yeah. level of consciousness. Is all I guess I'm saying, and intent. You have to have the intent yeah. to know that you're on this yeah. long-term healing journey.
1: Yeah, and 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 be curious and aware yeah. and see how that that is in your life. Yes. So when you when you, if you're if you want to take plant medicine, you're actually just doors open and you're given knowledge. But knowledge is actually turns into wisdom only by living it through your in your life. So I if you keep that. going and getting knowledge, knowledge, next knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge, you're actually abusing yeah. that knowledge, you know. Yeah. To me, I mean, I have taken I've sat in some really powerful plant medicine mm. ceremonies. I mean, I heard about it in Mexico. It took me ten years before that presented itself in a ceremony for me to so for me it's deeply sacred and it is so- um, you know, I learned. She gave me the the circle, the symbol of the circle. If I kept going back and back and back, I might have forgotten about the circle, right? But I sat there with. I sit here with the circle now, yes. and it is deeply part of my medicine. I have taken that knowledge, that door that's opened, that offering that she. I can't remember if it was um, in the ayahuasca ceremony or whether it was the. Um, the peyote. The peyote. I can't remember grandfather or the grandmother. I can't remember because we did both. But no, it was ayahuasca, the mother. She gave me the symbol of the circle. And at the time I went, oh, the circle. Oh, okay. Okay. And I gave thanks for the offering of the circle. and the. But now is, you know, you know 15 I, uh, years later or whatever it is, it is completely embodied, the power of that. It's yeah. in my medicine it's in my ceremonies it's in the way i look at life it's my connection to the universe i realize yeah yeah, for me you know i don't often get to talk about this is is i think we keep going in a lot of people keep going in for the high of the plant medicine but really take what you're given that first time and sit with it yes sit with it yes and let it weave its way into into your life otherwise I mean, one of my teachers, that one I was talking about, Raphael Locke, I said I went through a big life change and he and I said, So what am I gonna be doing? He said, You're gonna be mopping up all the, the yes. damage from too much plant medicine. Yeah. And I was like, Well, I've had I've had really big, beautiful experiences with plant medicine, amazing. But he said, No. He said, We're in a um a world of addiction. Yeah. We're in a world of uh, where we take drugs to get high, and he said it's a dangerous world if it's not well led yeah. and spoken about. You People will keep going back for the high. They look at it, they don't take it further than that. So yeah. a good shaman or a good ceremonial leader will actually say you don't need to. Sometimes you might need to come back three times. I don't know, whatever, but really just take what you've got, know it is sacred, and then walk with it. Huh. Don't just keep coming for a high, you know, and... and
0: or to I escape,
1: escape, because really... Or, or to escape, or at least know you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least yeah. be conscious of it, you know, yeah. and, then, and then we... Yeah, so I, I get a bit... I'm a bit frustrated with a lot of ceremonial leaders that are offering the medicine. They don't actually say, whatever you do on medicine, you can do without medicine, yeah. it's just one of the pathways like the sacred fire or or water ceremony or lodge i mean actually she told me very clearly what i did which was running earth lodge sweat lodge she said to me it's very clean she actually said to me that is a beautiful ceremony because it's so
0: clean, clean.
1: Even though I have taken plant medicine, I'm, I'm it's really part of my field. It's not part of what I offer. I go okay. to it if I need to, which is very okay. quite rare. I'm very conscious of it. But the Earth Lodge and the ceremonies I do, like Vision Quest,
0: yeah,
1: um, they're not they they're about connecting you, opening you to your own medicine. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's, and that's the medicine that
1: I give out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I even like horse riding like that. I'm a horse rider, so I'd prefer to wear have less things I'm riding with, you know, because that's just the way I am. And and fortunately Raphael Locke was the same. Like you know, I went to a ceremony with a beautiful lawman here when Uncle Max was still with us and 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 literally just to take black is pretty full on. But I, I walked through that smoke and <laughs> I was in an altered state.
0: Yeah. So for me,
1: I much prefer to be able to use little things Yeah. and and altered states, they don't need to be that big.
0: That's right.
1: I, I quite, I, There's you just do a little tweak, hey, you don't need yeah. to get blown away. Then you have to recover for days. I mean, there's a place for that. I'm not saying there's not, but altered states um, are very powerful and they don't need to be very big. Walking out in nature. You know, there's an altered state. Engaging your sacred fire on your altar, lighting that candle on your altar or on a a shelf, a nice shelf with some flowers. I call it the altar. It's a place for prayer. And even that puts me in an altered state, saying a prayer. So I'm, I'm offering that to people to understand we don't need to be blown away to be in an altered state. In fact, the ones that you can walk in life, in two worlds, so you're expanded as well as walking in the mundane, maybe going into a bank or something, but then you're also a little bit, you know. Yeah, altered states can be very powerful not even when they're little. They don't need to be, yeah.
0: don't need to be massive. And I think it's for me and what my concern is watching it over the last 10, probably nearly 15 years is is just the the lack of integration and responsibility it we've we and how i see it um and there's no judgement at all but how i see it is that we have been designed to go to a doctor to get a pill and to make us better and i feel like yeah. we take that same psychology into our plant medicine world and go okay i'm going to go and take that medicine and it's going to make me better yeah. and it doesn't mm. it just doesn't yeah it can offer you an opening and it can go, offer you information, but you've got to put the work in. And it's like when you start talking about the fire, it's like it's transmuting. So I think that's just such a beautiful visual. You're just speaking that to the fire or whatever or way that you're giving that to the fire, but then it's actually coming back, you know? So it's yes. coming back as a new way of actually thinking and living. And I just think we've forgotten that second bit somewhere along the line. And I think yeah. it's about training, you know, but I think these conversations are important to have because there is a lot of people out there searching for this this magic pill, this magic pill, and people pay a lot of money to go to these retreats and they sit in circle with another 50 people and wait for a miracle, you know, and they might well get that miracle. They might well get that miracle, yeah. but, gosh, there's a lot of yeah. work that has to happen there, I think. Yeah.
1: I take that miracle from that ceremony and sit with it. That's it. For years. You know, you know, and that's as you say, you have to you have to be conscious of it and see it flowing into your life and how that's a sacred gift from her, that that or him, whatever grandfather, grandmother. Take that and go. You might be confused about what that is. It's like that was just something I can't understand now. Know that you've gone into that sacred realm. She or he has spoken to you, this amazing being, and allow it to flow into your life yeah. and be open and conscious to it. Even if you don't know at that time, you know. Rather than going, keep on going, getting more and more because you want to suddenly feel better. Just take that sacred offering because eventually that will make you feel better because that's what well, you're it, there
0: for. for that's it. It. and it comes I don't to know. It's a journey. Yeah, it's it just a journey. journey. It is such a journey. It's such a journey. And I know that, um, and gosh, I'm still, there's stuff that happened to me 10 years ago that I'm now just sort of understanding now. It's like, oh, that's what she was yeah. talking about. Oh my God, I'm yeah. a slow learner. Yeah. Sorry, spirit. Yeah. Sorry, grandmother. Sorry, mother. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm a slow learner. They know that they're patient with me. Um, one of the things yeah. that you wanted to speak about, though, just to change it a little bit, when you were talking about um, just the fear, you wanted to bring up just a little bit about, but because it is an illusion and there's a, so much fear and we've all been placed in that, I guess, and maybe we've all lived in fear in different ways without a consciousness of that as well, to be honest. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about fear and, and we were talking about the illusion of fear. Did you want to share something about that and 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 what your sense is around that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd love to because I, what I understand is fear is a blocker. Uh, if we act from fear, it is a blocker of the flow of your soul. So your soul um, holds the path of your heart. So this flow of energy comes from spirit, and it goes through the soul matrix, goes through the, the soul then it goes into your mind your body and the world so that's how and that's the flow of energy goes through that soul matrix and and tells you basically the decisions that enrich your life give you a full life so that's when soul retrieval is when that soul matrix gets transfigured anyway that's my my kind of job but fear is not in the soul matrix this fear soul does not understand fear it cannot act when you act from fear it the soul cannot flow to you that energy of your higher self let's say it cannot and that guidance i should that's the best way of saying it cannot flow to you it will not work it just stops If you work from fear, so what it does is it cuts you, it cuts you. If you work from fear, therefore, if you act from fear, it disconnects you from the flow and the guidance of your soul. What that is, that means your soul is being stolen in a way. So in a in a, a world like we are now where fear is impregnated, injected, you know, you don't have enough, you don't look good enough, you don't whatever it's just endless, you know um you know you must have this stash because you you know I'm, I'm scared about what's going to happen when I'm old and and the flow of your life can't actually flow to you.
0: No. If you're
1: acting from fear and in the shamanic realms, we understand people that this might be a bit ugly, boogly, scary, but we have shamans that steal people's souls, right? So I, I'm in the world of healing the soul, but that same energy I could use, which I choose not to and I never would. I don't know if I never would, but I choose not to. We have shamans that steal people's soul. And what that is, it's a zombie. A person that does not, has had their soul stolen from them is a zombie. And the zombie will actually um, therefore start acting um, as a resource and will protect and um, do the willing, the willing of it or whatever that word is, of the person that's stolen that. So for me, you know, people walk around saying, oh, there's a whole bunch of zombies everywhere. And I'm just like, I, I kind of understand it in that way because people are acting from fear. So so the big mind screwing at the moment is to do everything, is to, I don't know what this energy is, you know, that's coming in, but it's making, it's stealing our soul by saying you must act from fear. Everything you should do. Is, is from fear. So the soul cannot work. Now, and that's why a Zen master would say, I can't remember his name, there's a Zen master. I got this quote recently. He said, the greatest illusion is fear.
0: 100%.
1: So what I want to flip it, because, you know, we're, we're talking about yeah. healing here, Susie, is yeah. that if you don't act from fear, if you don't act from fear, the flow of your soul, your higher self, all your spiritual resources, your ancestors, your spirit mob, can act and will act. That's the deal for coming down here is you are supported completely. So it's 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 one of the biggest for this energy that seems to be like holding us and containing us from being, what we are, these beautiful healed beings walking in this beautiful place, this energy is like stolen our soul. Soul, and it's easy it, through TV, whatever it is, fear, just just spread fear. Bingo, too easy, too easy. It's the biggest wild card I've ever. I just watch it everywhere, and I'm lucky to 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 not. I've always been interested in fear. If, the thing is, too, if you, I've always been one of those kids that, oh my God, I feel, I feel fear. I want to go there. I want to have a look. I want to have a look at that because yeah. that's like the golden key that actually shows you where to work. You know, and where the where the energy is yeah. for you know the path of your heart. You know, and I'm just watching all the birds flying here when I'm saying that. So that's so don't be scared of the fear. Just grab it, be conscious of it and go, ooh, let's have a look at that. I can actually see it now. Let's let's work in here,
0: you know, whatever that is. So So true. And and you know, like when I hear you talk, there's some things come to mind and when I think about fear, I think contraction. So like fear is a contracting, whereas laughter and joy is expansive, right? So fear makes yeah. us ourselves, our cells, our body. So this is just me because I have a Capricorn brain. So I've got to make everything physically fit for me. So like when I yeah, have when I have fear, my I can feel like my body goes into fight and flight. So all of my all of my energy now yeah. is constricted. So I can't. It makes sense, of course. And if I'm working in constriction, I can't let anything flow through. It it it's got a barrier. And in fact, I had this experience yeah. um, because I'm like you. Like if something looks like it's going to be a bit scary, it's like I want to go right into the core of it. Don't let me not be in the core of it because I want to. I want to understand this. I'm curious. And in fact, when I got di- when I got diagnosed a couple of years ago with lymphoma, and it was all pretty serious. And and people are gorgeous, and and they were saying, you know, you've got this, Sue. You're strong. You've got this. You know, you can fight it. You can fight it. And I, my response back was, well, no, actually, no. I don't want to mm. fight it. And that is not from a victim state. That is from a surrender, mm. I want to get to know this shadow side of myself because obviously she hasn't been expressed. Obviously I haven't heard of that part of her, you know. So it mm. was like not hopping into that fear about whether I'm going to die or live or whatever. I, 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 I was probably pretty ready to go home, to be honest. And even the treatments, because I chose to go down the Western treatment and that even was a big decision for me. But I I chose to do that and I didn't have fear about that because even when I was having chemotherapy, I thought, well, I've done plant medicine, I can purge. Give me some purging. I can do this white man shit (laughs) for a while. So it was about flipping everything so I could actually not be in that place of fear. And I think that's so important. In our world, it's like... We do. Everything gets so contracted yeah. when you're in that state. So how can you allow any beautiful life force into your life when you're so constricted? And it, it brings me like when we're talking about energy, the other thing that runs parallel to me with that is that I was speaking to Veda Austin yesterday, the water medicine woman, and I'm so blessed mm. to be able to speak to a water medicine and a fire medicine woman one day after the other. But, you know, she she freezes water in these different states, Right. She, um, and she wrote down and, and like, if people don't know of her, look her up, Vader Austin, but Dr. Omoto's work, he was the first one that really took images of frozen crystals, saying that the water is a communicator, like the fire. They're not innate objects. They mm. actually communicate. They're our spirits. They're our wise and old ones, right? So, and my body just gets so many goosebumps mm. when I talk to you about all of this. And, um, <laughs> she wrote down on a piece <laughs> of paper, life. And then on her petri dish and sat a petri dish on it. She sits it on there for thirty seconds and then does her freezing technique. Comes out and takes photos and there's an image. Now someone asked her, "Well, what does water think death is?" So then she wrote down the she wrote down death. Put the petri dish on top, thirty seconds. Put it. It come back for exactly the same symbol as life. It came back (laughs) the same symbol. Hundred percent, and then she did it like fifty <laughs> times because she's got to prove it fifty times that it's consistent, right? To know that it's that it's valid yeah. in science because she walks in the science yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. She's so around, it's yeah. like he's saying that 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 the world that the energy yeah. doesn't, our soul doesn't understand fear because we've just got life. So when you're actually, of course, it closes oh. down and contracts because it's like water with life and death. It's like there is no death reaction mm. because we're always. You know, like we walk in this place of life. There, is no, of life. there is no fear. There so is no fear. no fear. Yes,
1: you can create it if you want because we're incredibly powerful creator beings. But it's a program. It's it's not true. You it's know? a story.
0: It's, just, it's, it's just a story. not
1: true, it's and story. and it's a story. And um, and I mean, I could talk about Vader. I mean, she is just incredible. Like when that hundredth monkey thing, where. She, I mean, we are in a healing universe, and I love the way she talks about that because she talks about how the the you know chlorinated water with the next to the um, beautiful wild water spring water, we put them together, and the spring water's pattern actually turns into the chlorinated water. It doesn't go the other way around. That it goes. This one turns. The chlorinated water turns into a. And it's like, so it just tells us we are in a healing universe. So if you think you can't heal,
0: you can. get the
1: fear. You know, the fear is the only thing that's going to stop us from that truth that we are in a healing world.
0: So that's and we are what, what, so what powerful, we're and we're very powerful. Yeah. Each of us to do that healing. I love this and yeah. I love all of our conversations and we could probably go on, but we've gone on for a while. And I wanna just to and and potentially we're gonna to have to get back on. But is there anything else, um, Halla, before we just wrap up? You know, I've told people where they can go find you, you can do remote healings. If you ever want to do sweat mm-hmm. lodges, get onto Halla's information to go down and do some sweat lodges or vision quests, which I can't wait to do when the time is right, to come down, um and do that work with her uh, as well as re- remotely. But is there anything else that you would like just to share as a wrap-up or as a message to our listeners, you know, because that was a big one about fear, that's a big message?
1: Yeah, I would have loved to have talked about my other experiences with fear but another time. So just the story I'd like to share around mm. the difference between living with fear and not living with fear because that's where, we, where we've where we moved to is... um. One day I was, I was snorkeling out in the Great Barrier Reef and um, this suddenly I just turned around and there was this huge ray coming for me and we were about to collide, right? Like I was on the surface. He was just below the surface. I wasn't going to move anywhere. Like I just went, oh, my gosh, like this. And I remember I started going into fear, you mm-hmm. know, and then I just went, I don't do fear. I don't know. There's something about me where I just went, no, I'm not doing fear. And I couldn't do fear either because if I went and did fear, I went, ah, like that. Right. It done. just wouldn't have worked, right? So yep. I just went. So I, I, as a surfer, you get taught that. You get taught to, oh, my God, I'm about to be smashed. The fear is going to take away my oxygen and my energy. So you control that or you, you deal with that. And as soon as I just went. I'm just going with this. This has been presented to me. I just soon I just went. There's a communication that opened up with that with that ray. Oh, wow. And that commun- communication was like, I am completely fine. We he's he's my friend. He's my brother, my sister. This whole as soon as that fear went, I knew like not it's a knowing that drops into your body. It's not like, a question it's like I knew that we loved each other that we were brother and sister and he just came and he just sort of nest just ran underneath my thing oh, like that and wow. I could be in bliss while it was happening. Oh, yeah. I was in bliss oh, because yeah. because I knew it's not I knew I was gonna be okay. You know? And I just went and he went under me and I just had that Whoa, what an amazing experience. So
0: when
1: you think about the the choice of those two, like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. If you're thinking fear, yeah, I would say be conscious of it. And the thing about fear is put it into the fire, you know, even if you're not sure what it is or you're just feeling it or you're on a big healing journey and you're and fair enough, you're feeling – Respect for that journey. Often I, I say let's twist fear from, let's not tw- twist, let's tweak fear into respect for the big journey that you're about to go on. Because I do quests, I run vision quests um, and, and do lodges and stuff. A lot of people come with a lot of fear and mm. I can feel it. It's powerful. Mm. And mm. I just say, can we just tweak that just a little bit into being in the present moment that respect for the big journey that's mm-hmm. what the fear is i see the snake <gasps> it's like maybe it's not it maybe it's actually wow what an amazing being you know
0: mm-hmm. what a
1: big journey i've got ahead of me rather mm-hmm. than into the fear and and let the flow of life mm-hmm. come to you it's it's it takes spiritual practice but it's worth it also it, it- it can flick like one second as soon as you get it yeah it can happen so yeah yeah thank you Susie. yeah Uh, and just email me you if you want to be in contact make contact through email cool
0: look at my website yeah beautiful beautiful put all those details down thank you hella i have loved it i've sat in goosebumps again most of our session today having a chat so i know that It all rings very true to our heart and I hope that the listeners out there, that you get to experience those same feelings that I've had sharing this beautiful energy of the sacred fire, the sweat lodge and all things to make us um, sit down now in our power, you know, in our very honourable sacred power of a very huge healing being because that's what we are so listeners, thank you again. Please remember, feel the earth beneath your feet, the fire in your belly, the water in your cells, the sun on your face, the breath in your heart, and of course, the love in your being. Until I speak to you next time, I trust that your week, uh, your month, your day, your minute is going to be amazing. I'll see you on the flip side. Before we go, if you want more information on radical consciousness and cleansing, head to our website, bottomsupcolonics.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe or follow, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, as this will help others find us and also let you know when the next episode is published. You can also connect with us on our socials, Facebook and Instagram, Just search for Bottoms Up Colonics. Until next time, I'm Susie Wilson. Thanks for listening to Radical Consciousness and Cleansing.